Hello and welcome into the Locked On At Least podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. This is your July 4th edition of the Locked On Least podcast. Got a bunch of fun stuff to go through today. It is Monday morning, so we'll be doing a Monday morning mailbag where we ask for your questions and we will answer those. So we got a bunch of you guys reach out on the Discord, on Twitter, on the video we put out over the weekend, which keep an eye every week now, every single weekend, we're going to be posting a video asking for those mailbag questions. Uh, so make sure that you do reply to those if you would like to get in on the action. We'll be answering those questions today. There's a cool Leafs-inspired Kashina jersey idea that I want to show you guys that I want to talk about. And a missed opportunity for Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs today. I'll tell you more about it on today's edition of Locked on Leafs. Your Locked on Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also writer for the NHLPA. And Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free. Wherever you get your podcast from, you can also now catch us up on video format on YouTube. That's Locked on Leafs on YouTube. Give us a like and a subscribe. That would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, so it's a, a bit of a fun show, Dave. And, and we didn't do one on Friday because it was Canada Day. We got to celebrate the country and celebrate everything. Um, so we didn't do a show. And today, for our American listeners, it's their holiday. Right? It's, it's, it's the 4th of July as they like to call it down south. Uh, at least that's what they say in all the Western films or the films <laughs> down in Texas or whatever. But uh, so, you know, happy 4th of July to all of our American listeners. I know that I think it's roughly 20% of our audience is from down south. So happy 4th of July, folks. Be safe uh, with those fireworks, but also have a fantastic time and stuff your face with as much food as possible. That's the best part of holidays, in my opinion. So hopefully you're doing that. Uh, we're going to get to our mailbag in a couple of minutes here. But before we do, I kind of want to start with this cool Leafs-inspired Kashina jersey or this new logo that um, that was created by this Mick Earlson cat. I saw this floating around on Twitter and on Imager. If we want to bring it up here for our YouTube folk, you can take a look at it. I think it's pretty cool, Dave. I, I think... The Kashina jersey that was created uh, by the Arizona Coyotes is next to Austin Matthews, the greatest and maybe the only other good thing that that organization has brought to the hockey world. And I love it. And the fact that somebody went out and did like a Maple Leafs inspired one, you can look at it here on YouTube. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, if not, I've tweeted it out at Mickey underscore Canuck or check out at Lockdown Leafs. It's been retweeted. You can check it out there. Um, it, it's Carlton the Bear in a bit of a holding a stick in a Kashina, you know, Arizona Coyotes fashion. I think it's awesome. Oh, I, I actually no, I like I'm, I'm I get pretty critical when people do these like redesigns of logos and stuff. And I know some people have a certain thing about Carlton. I think Carlton's a boss. If you ever go to leave games, he's awesome. So to see him in like a Kashina inspired um, logo, pretty cool. Not going to yeah. lie. 
um, I think in our Discord, somebody said this would make for an interesting idea for like a third gen jersey. We've already seen the Leafs do like the Justin Bieber collab jersey. Yeah. It would be nice if they considered doing something, you know, unique. I mean, I don't think you'll ever see a time where Carlton the Bear is going to be on the front of a Leafs jersey. Be but to, do, but... to do something a little more out of the box for the Leafs. The only thing, like, I agree. I think it would be awesome to see this as a third jersey or some sort of alternate or do it, you know, for a practice, yeah. something. I think it'd be awesome. At least have the jersey as a, as a you know, as a, you can sell it to people if you'd like this merch. But the fact that this is, you know, the Kashina is so, you know, so associated with the Phoenix and, and Arizona Hockey Club, I wonder if, if that would be too much of a, a copycat type of thing where they would ever consider doing like, I don't think they would ever consider doing something like that. Um, Cause it would just be, I, I know that the NHL they say is a copycat league, uh, but that I don't, I, I don't see that being the case. That said, super cool logo to, uh, to whoever drew this. Mick Earlson was the, the user on imager uh, who did create this. So, Shout out. It was pretty sweet and I liked it. And so I wanted to uh, to show the listeners so that they had a chance to take a look at it as well. Um, before we get into the mailbag, the one other thing that I want to touch on that we saw kind of transpire over the weekend, a big trade. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning trading away Ryan McDonough to the Nashville Predators for Philip Myers and uh, a, a prospect coming out of college. Um, so this is interesting. I, I can't remember if I brought this up on this show or on Leafs lunch, but Philip Myers was kind of a target that I had the Maple Leafs. I circled them and said, this would be an interesting move if the Leafs can somehow go and get Philip Myers. Because if you buy him out, he actually holds a cap credit of 616000 similarly to the way that Jared Cowan did a few years ago for the Maple Leafs. Yep. Um, so I thought this would be a perfect addition, kind of, you know, that that uh, creative way that Kyle Dubas and Brandon Pridham typically find ways to maneuver the cap. And I thought it'd be a, a great uh, trade chip to go out and try and get. But then when I saw this deal come through today, I said to myself, well, there's no way in hell Toronto could have beat Ryan McDonough as a trade, as as a return for Phil Myers. No, not at all. And the interesting thing about that trade, I was trying to find the quote here. Um, well, it, it doesn't sound like they're actually going to buy out Myers, which is yeah. strange to me. Here we go. So this, I'm going to pull up the tweet here, and I'll read out the quote from uh, Joe Smith, who does a phenomenal job covering the Tampa Bay Lightning for the Athletic. So Breezeball was giving a bit of an update because I guess after the trade, it was a pretty big deal for Tampa to move out a guy like McDonough. Like this is a significant oh, yeah. piece coming out. And he was kind of saying no updates on Palat and Ruda, who are two guys that they are looking to sign. And obviously that's part of the reason why McDonough was moved in the first place. They said they don't plan to buy out Myers like his toolbox and plan to work with them. So not getting any more space there. I thought that was such a bizarre, like I find it super bizarre because not only like if you buy out Philip Myers, who's making two and a half million in, in cap this year, if you bought him out, you got the two and a half million plus the 600,000 off your books. So that's 3.1 million that you could save off your books by getting Phil Myers off your team by buying him out. And it would only cost you it's like 600 and something thousand on next year's cap. So it's not even like it's going to hurt you long-term like 
to me, an extra 600 on next year's cap, which you're expecting it to go up maybe another million or, or maybe even 2 million next season, as opposed to this year, you save 3.1. I think that's a fair trade-off. They say they like Phil Myers. I mean, Myers was a pretty decent prospect for the Philadelphia Flyers. And for whatever reason, he went to Nashville as part of the Ryan Ellis deal. It did not go well at all. Um, he ended up playing half the season in the minors and not even for Na Nashville's minors team. He played for the Marlies for Pete's sake. Like the guy was, they literally like banished him to a different organization. Um, I don't know what happened there, what type of disconnect went on there, but I thought like that Marley's connection perhaps uh, could have been a reason why like, okay, maybe the least they've known this guy. So maybe they'll be able to trade for him and, you know, figure out uh, uh, some sort of deal. But uh, yeah, I guess Tampa got to it first and they want to use him as an actual player, which I find to be just bizarre. Like I, I think 3.1 million in cap space is like, you could use that money much better ways than Philip Myers, in my opinion. Yeah, I know. Like everybody was trying to figure out which team is going to trade for Philip Myers just for the sake of buying him out. Like there yeah. was no, 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 even not even a thought of a team saying, yeah, no, Philip Myers, we're actually going to play this guy at 2.5. I was, million. I was hoping that, you know, so, that somebody acquired him, bought him out, and then he'd be a nice, cheap, like one year rental type of thing, or not rental, but like a, in the same vein that Andre Kasha last year and David Camp, yeah. these buyout guys who turned out to be, you know, decent or not buyouts, but they were non-tendered young players yeah. um, who they just brought in on like a cheap deal. And, and hopefully it works. I was hoping that could be the case for Phil Myers because he did spend some time in the Marley's organization. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I was hoping at least to trade for him and get yeah. that cap room themselves. But it looks like that's not going to be the case. I wonder too. So, I guess a big knock on Myers game is his skating. The fact that he was with the Marlies in particular this season, like the Leafs do a good job. They have a great uh, development program. If you are a player with the Marlies and you are like from a different organization, like, well, from Nashville, I guess like Phil Myers was, do you think he's got the same type of, like training regiment and, and whatnot to try and help on that skating? Like, does he still get all those perks that yeah. most Leafs would well, get? Because if that's the case, maybe that's why they like the toolbox. Like Tampa Bay says, look, man, the size is good. The shot's good. The mind's good. The skating needs improvement. But he was with Toronto, who's done a great job of improving players who've been, you know, not so fleet of foot. And they've had great, you know, instances where guys have learned how to skate a little bit better and have had decent careers because of it. Yeah, like when you loan a player to another organization, the he's getting paid by Nashville, but he is a part of the Marlies organization. So mm -hmm. he's he's working with all those coaches and all. The, it's almost similar to like Carter Hutton, right? When the Leafs acquired him, then he was on loan with with the. Uh, he's still uh, he was hurt. I don't think he ever playing game. Like he was injured. He he then came over eventually and started working with the Leafs though. Well, right? that was when he got healthy, and it was like. They might need him for the playoffs if injuries, you know, if Mrazek goes down and I'm then Campbell goes down. <laughs> that okay, was that so situation, here, here's another scenario. The Leafs made a trade with Ottawa. I think it was the FNUF trade. And they took some guys back. And Ottawa had, uh, there was one guy. Tobias Lindbergh? No, I don't think it was Tobias Lindbergh. There was a guy that the, it was a Leafs prospect that went to Ottawa, but Ottawa didn't even want him on the mm. AHL roster because they just didn't have the room. So he stayed 
Matt Fryden. That's who it was. Matt Fryden was traded, but he remained with the Leafs organization and with the Marlies because Ottawa didn't want him on the AHL roster. So, like, things like that do happen. They just stick with the organization. But typically, like, I look at Phil Myers is a young player. Typically, you don't see it happen with, like, young guys who still have, like, a development curve to go. You know what I mean? And that's why I find it interesting that Tampa – says they like the tools there, and perhaps because he was with the Leafs, who have a great development program, um, just because they have so many different resources and tools, that they're t- they're banking on Phil Myers got better and learned something being with the Toronto, you know, Marley's organization, all those coaches, and and maybe, you know, they can help with his game, or they helped with his game throughout the course of the back half of the year when he was with that squad. But yeah, so a, a bit of a missed opportunity for the Leafs to, you know, a creative way to, to get more cap space. But ultimately, um, there's no way Toronto could compete by trading away a player of Ryan McDonough's caliber in exchange for Phil Myers. So I can't even be upset with Kyle Dubas because you couldn't have matched it or bettered it, in no. my opinion. All right, let's take a break here, uh, Dave, and then we'll get back into uh, well, we'll get to our mailbag uh, after the a word from our show sponsors. And today's show sponsor is Bet Online. Uh, it's brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And I got to pull up. The Bet Online Read. It is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find all your latest sport developments, league reviews, and news. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Welcome back into Locked On Lease Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morasuti. Thanks for making Locked On Lease your first listen each and every day. The NHL draft is right around the corner, and the Leafs are all of our local hosts and draft experts going to be breaking down insights and analysis from every first round pick. We will also be doing that uh, coming up this Wednesday at the NHL draft. Uh, roughly, uh, we'll be going live uh, you know, at some point during the night uh, to talk about the first round pick. I guess it'll be a little bit later into the night, considering that they pick 25th. So make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Lease. It's going to be a YouTube exclusive uh, type of show where we're going to be going live on YouTube. We're going to talk about the Maple Leafs pick at number 25 and well, whatever else they do in the draft. Maybe they make a trade. Maybe they make a, a move to acquire a player. Who knows? Who knows what Kyle Dubas has up his sleeve, but we will be uh, doing a live that night uh, along with all of our fellow co-hosts here at the Locked On Leafs or uh, Locked On NHL Podcast Network. All right, let's get into the mailbag, David. Uh, love doing a mailbag. We haven't done one in a couple of weeks, but now that the offseason is officially here, I think it's appropriate for us to break it, break this segment back out, and we'll probably do one, I would say, every single Monday morning. Makes sense to me throughout the duration of the offseason. So we've got a few questions here that you guys have given us, whether via Twitter, uh, on YouTube, in our Discord channel. 
Um, great questions, guys. So we're going to go through them right now. And remember, remember, if you want to be a part of this next week, we're going to put out a video. We'll put them out on Saturdays. So probably Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon or so. Check our Locked On Leafs YouTube page and uh, find the video. We're asking for your AMA questions and write in your question on that video that's where we're going to be pulling the questions from and that's where most of them came from here also in our discord channel you can also get some questions in and also reach us on twitter as well but uh, the video is the main spot where we're looking for those questions so keep an eye on that each and every weekend through the rest of the summer all right dave let's get to the first question from one of our loyal listeners let's hear it so you want we'll go with the youtube ones first i guess sure. all right um Let's see here. Which one do I want to go with? All right. Uh, actually, this is going to be a Twitter one because I like this one. Um, this is from Vinny Tube Socks. Is there any universe where the Leafs bring back Labushkin? So Ilya Labushkin. So this isn't. There hasn't been a lot of news on Ilya Labushkin. Like everyone's talking about for a while. It was they going to bring back Mikheyev? They going to bring back you know Jack Campbell? And those were really the only two UFAs that got any pub for the last couple of months, but Labushkin and Colin Blackwood are also to, or Colin Blackwell, sorry, are also two guys who are, you know, Leafs pending UFAs that were serviceable for this team. They came over at the trade deadline and, um, you know, I thought they played well. I thought Labushkin also had a little bit of sandpaper, you know, that grit, that uh, piss and vinegar type of player that the Leafs didn't necessarily have on the back end for a lot of the season with Jake Muzzin out to injury. And even then, Labushkin was still a little bit more physical than Muzzin was. So, in in, in a, the universe, I, is there a universe I see it happening at the end of the day? Yeah, I think there is, actually. Like, he goes to market, and I don't know. Like, what's your opinion on what Labushkin's worth? Like, probably the realm of what Justin Hall's contract is, like three $2 million or so? Yeah, like, he he's coming off. I was looking at his current deal. He's coming off at $1.35 million. So yeah. It's like, do we see him being a player that's be like more valuable than that? Like, I don't see it. He could get more on the market. I could see him getting maybe 2.5 to 3 from a team. As right shot, right shot. Defenseman, they, they do yeah. get paid on the open market. Like, Tucker Pullman made 2.5 last year. Yeah, that's where I'm kind of got like three and a half yeah so i i think it's tough like i think he's a guy who's gonna want to test the market he'll probably go to wherever you know the the bigger paycheck is coming from but if if you know he happens to um want to win i guess toronto might be a spot and if they can come up with some sort of number but ultimately they got six guys under contract right now uh and then even you know rasmus sandine eventually you're thinking is going to end up in that fold too and if that's the case, I mean, there's not really a spot for Lubushkin unless they make some other deals. Yeah, like I would be okay with if they got Lubushkin at a reasonable number. So I would say no more than two million. But where are you gonna where are you gonna play him? Like well, when, he, it, when it came push come to shove, he couldn't really hack it in the top pair role with Riley in the playoffs, right? And at what is he, 26, 27 or so? He, he's twenty-eight. 28 years old, I don't think he's like a light bulb is going to go off in no. his head and all of a sudden he's going to be a guy who you can trust in those minutes. So you're not going to play him on your first pair. Could maybe play him on a second pair, I guess, with 
with Muzzin and Labushkin, like a really tough second pair to play against in your own end. And you should shove Brody up on the top pair. And they've got Lilligren and Giordano. They've also got Justin Hall on your squad. And well, they also have Sandine, Sandine that's in the mix, right? So it's just, yeah. I don't know. The, the, it, it's a numbers game at this point, I think. I would love to have him back at like a $2 million deal. If he could bring him in at two, ship out Justin Hall, probably that's makes sense. some sense. I think that's the universe in where he does come back to the Maple Leafs. I don't think yeah. it's completely shut, but I think there is a way. So here, that's exactly where I was going to go with. And the, the thing that I like the most is he's 28, Justin Hall is 30, right? Yeah. We're talking about Justin Hall. He is what he is. Lubushkin, too. I get that. But what I saw out of Lubushkin, I think, is more serviceable for the Leafs than what Justin Hall is. That's my opinion. Some yeah. might disagree with that, but that's kind of where I see it. Um, so, yeah, if if the Leafs can get him, let's even let's say it. I mean, this is the wishful thing at a one and a half. No. I don't think that's going to happen. But if he liked it so much, and look, we're seeing players take take less money to go and stay with teams, right? Just because they want that familiarity, that situation. But I think if, if $2 million is, is what he was looking for, I consider it, but we also have to consider there's a lot of other things that the Leafs have to do. So there's a universe where it can happen, but there's also many reasons why it just probably won't happen. Speaking of deals where guys taking a little bit less, how about that Nick Paul deal? Whew. I, I look, I'm going to say this. Whoever Nick Paul got sweet talked by his agent into a deal, in my opinion, I, at that price, I don't know how you give seven years. You're you're basically saying I'm OK with making that much money for seven years where he could have taken maybe a little bit less. Take two years. Try to win out in Tampa like this was his shot to try to make decent coin. I mean, guess $21 million. It's not nothing, but I guarantee he could have gone more. It's the, it's not the money. It's the years. Like, it's se- that's seven years. And then what's going to happen after that seven years? Yeah. Like, the I don't go further in Tampa. I'll say that. The money definitely goes further in Tampa. I, than I, I probably else. played a bit of a factor, but I, I, I just think the seven years is what threw me off, right? When I said, when I saw the cap hit, I'm like, that makes sense. And when I saw seven years, I'm like, that does not make sense. <laughs> but good on Nick Paul to securing himself some long-term sustainable, a long-term sustainable future. It's kind of like similar to like what Connor Brown did, where he just took the longer deal, even though the cap hit was lower. Yeah. And hoping that maybe he can get something a little bit better down the road. I don't know how much better you're going to get once you get older if you're Nick Paul, but I guess he's happy with. He did say once he said he wanted to talk to his agent to try to. Make I heard. I heard. Was it was a Joe Smith? I, I have one of the uh, Lightning guys on Leafs Lunch Tuesday, I think it was, and he told us that he had heard that Nick Paul was already shopping for houses. So he's literally he was already house shopping like early last week. So there was an indication that things were pretty close and they were going to get something done. So I, I, I didn't, wasn't sure it was going to be a seven year deal. Like you said, that kind of surprised me a little bit, but Hey, it's done. And uh, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be a, a, a bull for a while. And they got a couple of other guys that they got to get to, but rabbit hole, rabbit hole. It's got yeah. nothing to do with the Leafs. None to do with the Leafs. Next question, Dave. All right. Uh, let's go with one of the discord ones first. Cause we do have a few of them here. All right, so 
if please for it to draft a play. Okay, so I know the the I, I know what you're gonna say here. I know what the word is. I it's just to process it all. It takes me a little bit of time. Can I set this up? Can I set yep. this up for those who are listening? So Go if ahead. you're watching on YouTube, you can see the word that that blue thirteen on our Discord channel. Um, beauty, by the way, very active on Discord. Love that. Um, <laughs> he's got a word in here because he wants to just mess with Dave because yeah. he asked specifically. Dave, are you reading the questions? And you said, yeah, I'm, I'll probably read some. And this was the question that he put in here. So this is literally just to mess with you, but it's a good question nonetheless. And be prepared to laugh your 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 face off when Dave tries to pronounce this word. Okay. Please proceed. So I know the Mary Poppins reference, which makes – I haven't watched Mary Poppins, and I really want this, – that's the thing I watched when I was a kid. We didn't really talk about this word a lot. So if the least were to draft a player name – Super califragilistic. Uh, I, you have to break it down to different parts. Super califragilistic, exceptional, delicious. I'm gonna, that's the best I can do. I know you have to break it up into different parts. But that's the best I can do. What number do you do? Do the first off, he now, didn't. Now you can't read basic words anymore. I know. I but no, but he didn't. The rest of the question doesn't make sense. What number do you? I think he says, do you think they would wear on the main roster? I, what number do you see them wearing on the main yeah. roster? Okay, so you can take that. Uh, take yeah, that. So can see how, okay, can you pronounce that word? Uh, what, the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? Absolutely, I can say that word, unlike yourself. Oh, my God. You butchered that word, so I thought you were going to. I, had only, I, I know that I've heard it, but I can't say it. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Come on, you weren't like in grade three and you were the coolest no, we dad on the block if you could say that word. No, I would no, I did not have that type of childhood, Mike. <laughs> Clearly, you did. I did not. Great question there by Blue 13, just so that I could listen to Dave Morisuti try and say the word supercalifragilistic Absolutely just butcher it. Butchered it so badly. This is you were basically uh basically bill bill clinton with like steve yazirman you Ouch. butchered it that badly pal Ouch. um or gary batman this year joe biden gary oh. batman for gary batman <laughs> to answer the question what number do you think that that uh that player would wear David? well if they can get the whole name on the jersey kudos to that that would be uh, like an entire yeah that would be the it would have to like wrap a few times so I have the answer then, actually. Yeah. No number, but the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, the name just makes the number zero. Just goes all the way around, and it's that long that you could go all the way around the jersey, and it just makes a zero on its own. Sure. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I, do you I, have an alternative number? I do not have an alternative because I was going to go with zero just because you're going to have that name wrapped around the jersey. How mm. can you put a number in that? You're, the number is just going to get lost. I'm going to make Blue 13 happy, and I'm going to give him the answer he probably was looking for. 69 would probably also be a decent number for that player. I thought you were going to say 67 for a second there. No, no. I don't ever want to see 67 on the back of a Maple Leafs jersey ever. I do. Ever. I do. And I want that player to be the one that scores a game-winning goal in the Stanley Cup final. 
Actually, that would be the only way that I would appreciate that. If if that's what it takes, maybe Austin Matthews should switch his number to sixty-seven. Uh, it's got seven. It's got to be like one of like one of our prospects come up. How about this, Matthew Nyes? He wears sixty-seven when he comes to the Leafs. Although we're gonna wait for Matthew Nyes to get to that point. <laughs> well, he might be back. He might be there next year after he's done college. That's true. We'll go right into the pros. All right, All right. one more break, and when we get back, let's uh, let's roll we'll through some of these other ones. We'll power through some of the other questions we got here. You're listening to the Locked On These Podcasts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back into the Locked On These Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. You got Mike DiStefano, Dave Morsuti here with you. We're your hosts here on the Locked On These Podcast. We're going through the Monday morning mailbag where you, the listener, take control of the show. We've had a couple of great questions so far. Uh, if you missed it, Dave had to try and pronounce what I believe is considered the longest word in the English dictionary. I, I'm pretty certain of that. I think it's in the dictionary. I think that's why it was like such a, a big deal back in our childhood. Uh, Dave, can you pronounce it one more time for the, nope, for the, for nope, the class? How are you going to do that? Come on, once yeah. one more. Nope. But now, now that you've heard me say it, no, because I even what you saying because you were saying it like you just you're showing off. So no, I'm not even gonna try saying it. I mean, I may know how to speak. <laughs> I kind of do it for a living, guy. I know you do. <laughs> I'm the writer. I am not the speaker. I am nah, the writer. This is true. This is true. You are. I, I've asked Mike to try to I, spell it. I guarantee he could not spell it. No. <laughs> no, I could not spell it. I would get. I would probably have to take a nap in between because it'd be, take me so long to do. All right, let's get into it though. Let's continue our mailbag questions. Next cue, Mister Dave Morissuti. We're gonna go with. Uh, here we go with Big Rob. Robert Stevens. Big Rob. So this is my buddy, Big Rob, who actually texted me the other day, and he asked me this personally, and I said, tell you what, pal, we're doing an AMA on Monday. I'll answer your question then. So hopefully he's listening. Big Rob, this is for you. Uh, what do you think the Leafs do if Rasmus Sandin gets an offer sheet? The question he asks is between, which would be considered a second round compensation type of number, yeah. which is between 2.1 and $4.2 million. I don't think anyone's signing Sandine to like a $4 million deal. I just don't. But I mean, 2.1, two and a half type of deal. I could see that, you know, oh, one yeah. year, 2.2. Let's take a look at the teams who have the compensation possible to even make it. So, I mean, there's only what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So there's only eight teams that don't have the compensation. And the Leafs are one story. of those teams. Yeah, and then the Leafs are one of those teams. So there's quite literally only eight teams that can't make the, the pick there. So there's a lot of teams out there that could do it. Um, and, I mean, for a guy who is projected to be like a top four type of player, I've brought this up before. If I'm a team like, let's see if they have it too. I just want to make double check. I mean, they should have it, but okay. So let's say you are the, well, let's say you're Seattle, you're the Devils or you're Detroit or, you know, perhaps you're Buffalo or Columbus or, you know, you're just one of these young teams, San Jose, like one of these young rebuilding teams and you just want young talent. I mean, if you were to trade a second-round pick, a future second-round pick for Rasmus Sandin, I think you're happy with that trade, right, if you're an opposing team. Whereas the Maple Leafs, I'm not so certain you trade him for a, a second-round pick. 
No. But if you offer them like one a two point two million, let's say one year deal, two point two million, or maybe it's a multi year deal, three years at two point two per, right? So you're getting them on a multi year deal. If you're the Maple Leafs, do you accept that deal, or do you take the compensation of the second round pick? Where are you at? It it, it depends. Really, does depend on the compensate, like how much they're signing them for. But let's well, like say- I said, let's let's say it's like the low end of the compensation. I so would two point one zero zero seven three three four three, or wait, two point one and change, basically. So let's just round it up to two point two million dollars. Okay, yeah. so it's a two point two million dollar AAV that they're trying to sign Rasmus Sandin to an offer sheet. If you're Kyle Dubas, do you accept the offer sheet? Or do you decline it and take the compensation? I accept it and then trade them for something even better. Because you telling me that a team couldn't offer more than a second round pick for Rasmus Sandin at two point two million? I don't know because if they wanted, if they wanted them, they would just like sign them to a contract. Are you talking about the Leafs? Or are you talking about the other team? The other team. Like, why would somebody trade more than a second round pick if they no, could I'm just saying, offer more money? What I'm saying here is the Leafs accept that deal, but they don't. They're not trading Rasmus Sandin to the team that's offering that for him. No, I, I get that, Dave. But like, if you want, so give me the scenario. So, but the thing is, too, is Rasmus Sandin has to agree to the has to right. sign the contract. So let's say uh, I'm gonna bring up a team here. So let's say. Buffalo offers him two point is the one that's offering him two point two, and he signs it. Okay. Okay. What's stopping the Leafs from saying, "All right, we're going to accept it, and we're going to give you know New Jersey a call and say, what would you like for Rasmus Sandin?" Okay, so why would New Jersey make that deal when they could literally just say, "Actually, we're going to offer him two point three." For Rasmus Sandin and only have to give up a second round pick, and we beat Buffalo. Once Buffalo signs him, it's not like New Jersey can come in and say we're going to give him two. Yeah, points. but if you're another team, though, once you hear rumblings of like, oh, there's an offer sheet well, in place, true. nobody's offered it, and then you got to step up to the plate and offer it as well if you plan on trading for the guy at some point. Like, why wouldn't you get involved? Right at that point, it's going to go to the highest bidder mm-hmm. for offer sheets. He's going to take the highest bid, and at that point, what if that gets up to like two point four, two point five, six? And at that price, clearly, teams don't want to trade for him if they're not willing to go that high as part of of an offer sheet. You know what I mean? So here's a funny thing. So I'm going to just take this down because there was actually a question about Rasmus Sandy from Blue 13 that kind of talks about the way forward. Uh, Sandy negotiations stall and Dubas does not see a reasonable path forward to keep the defenseman happy in the Leafs. They're not forced to to the select option to move him out for a potentially favorable return. What do you mean? What, who or what would maybe your ideal return and why? So, so here's the thing too. It's like, I think the Leafs would obviously like to avoid the potential of an offer sheet just because if they can, if a team is calling now, and if the Leafs feel like they're just getting nowhere on contracts, you might as well just figure it out now, because I don't think the deal is getting any better as the offseason goes around, goes goes forward. So the agent's definitely going to give the Leafs a bit of a head. I don't know how much of a heads up they're going to give, but they're going to say, "All right, we're done negotiating here. We're going to look elsewhere." 
Because that's what they're probably going to do. Well, they have until July 13th to exclusively chat. And then after July 13th or on July 13th at noon, yeah, the, he's able to talk to anybody, right? That's when teams can come in with an offer sheet. So that's the deadline. Yeah. So if I'm the Leafs, I'm obviously trying to get to that before it even happens. Right. But I still think if if the Leafs are offered 2.2, you take it. You might not even trade Rasmus Sandin right away. You'll keep him around. And then maybe down the road, you consider making that move. Can you really take him at 2.2? I don't know. That's like, that's not a large number, but for a team that's in cap hell, I just don't know if they can afford it, man. They like, can- that's my thing. Now you're looking, your seventh defenseman's making 2.2 million. But then are you okay? Are you okay with letting Rasmus Sandin go for a second round pick? You might not have a choice. That's why I think it's ridiculous that GMs do not utilize the offer sheet as much as possible because mm-hmm. there's two ways to use an offer sheet. In my opinion, one is the way that, you know, Montreal tried to use on Sebastian Ajo where it just, it's a great deal and it makes your team way better. And there's another way that you can use an offer sheet. And it's kind of what Philly did to uh, Shea Weber years ago, where yeah. you know that this team is going to sign this player no matter what. So you, you sign him to a ridiculous contract. It was like 13 years or something like that. But you know that they're going to take it, but you're putting them in the fire a little bit. They don't want to give that contract away, but they can't not accept that deal. So if you're the Maple Leafs and you're sitting here and you don't want to trade him at 2.5 or, or you don't want to trade him for a second-round pick, well, if somebody comes in and they say, we're going to offer Sandine one year $3 million, can you really accept that deal? You kind of have to take the second round pick because you just can't. So you know what I mean? I don't know why GMs don't utilize that more. It's like they're all buddies with each other. But I would be using this to really screw people over because if you're a team that has loaded cap space, you know, your Arizona, your Buffalo, you know, your your Ottawa, like you have a bunch of cap space. I would be using those to like go out and attack teams that have young players that are in cap hell and utilize the offer sheet. And because you can offer up to $4.2 million and only have to give up a second round pick. Like I, if I'm Ottawa or if I'm Buffalo, like you said, I'm not offering the minimum at 2.1 cause odds are that might get accepted, but I want to at least challenge them to the point where if they do accept it, it's going to hurt them. So something yeah. like maybe two, seven, five or 3 million on like a one, two year deal. Mm-hmm. And if I get them great, I got a young player for 3 million bucks. I'm, I'm not in cap hell. I can afford that anyways. And I gave only gave up a second round pick for him. He was a first rounder a few years ago, but if he accepts it, now you've got Toronto in even more of a cap situation because they had to sign him for $3 million because they couldn't afford to let him go for just a measly second round pick. And I don't know why GMs don't do that more often. It bugs me so much. Seems like what uh, Carolina did with Kakanyemi in Montreal. Uh, kind of, that's a kind of. Yes, but that was that was a different situation. That wasn't. I want to get a good young talent. That was. I'm gonna, you know. But that this is what happens when offer sheets happen, right? Like the the GMs take. uh, No, they have a bit of they have egos. Like let's not forget the whole Dustin Penner situation. Yeah, like GMs take it personally when they do that stuff. But Marshall ultimately decided a guy that they picked in the lottery was not worth keeping around for 6.1 million. And they took the first and third round pick, which 
Carolina's first and third round pick are not something that's going to be really life changing. Well, they traded the first for um, Dvorak. Yes, they did. So they ended up basically swapping out Kakaniami for Dvorak. Yeah. Like, are you happy with that if you're Montreal? Not really. But it's almost. Well, I think Dvorak. It's a lateral. I think it's a lateral move at best. But yeah. So, like, if you're the Leafs here, can you get somebody at least lateral? in the second round to what you're losing with Rasmus Sandin. That's going to be the question there. I mean, they did get a Matthew Knight in the second round. <laughs> they did, <laughs> they, they yeah, did uh, get a Robertson. Robertson was a second round pick. They've done well in the second round. Okay, how about uh, this? Just to, to end off on this question for, for Big Rob, what number would you accept to? I would say no more than like 2.5 is like the max. So two point four seven five. You're still you're still accepting that offer sheet, and you're going to pay that guy two seven five this year for the one year. Sure. Okay. All I right. Think that's- I think that's a good answer. I, I think that's a good answer. I think that probably is the threshold. Like I, it's not a great situation, but it's it also- sucks. Yeah, you're right. But that's probably to where you're going to go. Yeah. But if you if if you are a team and you really want it, like if you're what you were talking about earlier, you're looking to trade for them, I'm giving them the extra 25,000 or the extra 50,000 to go over that threshold and only have to give up a second round pick mm-hmm. and it only cost me a couple, you know, a couple thousand dollars, which is peanuts in the NHL. You know what oh. I mean? So the retention and then the trade I don't see as a, a legitimate scenario, but I could see a team getting ready and offer sheeting Rasmus Sandin and the Maple Leafs might have to make a, a big boy decision at some point. I really could see it if they do end up getting to market and they don't end up signing him before July 13th. This is this is all very fair, and it's unfortunate, but that's, that's what happens when the cap stays flat for as long as it has. Yep, absolutely. All right, next question. Good, uh, good. Hopefully that answered your, your question, Big Rob. Hell of a handball player, by the way. Yeah, big Rob. Yeah, we played. Uh, yeah, we were on the same uh, intramural team at Western. Hell of a handball player. He was basically the Austin Matthews of handball. He led our team and potentially the whole league in goals. Was he given an offer sheet to go and play for another team? Well, actually not, because he was in university. So <laughs> it did not happen. It did not happen. All right, let's uh, let's go. We'll make this our last one here. We'll talk. Uh, Ooh, I like this question actually. Maddie Rockets. Maddie Rockets 34. Which Leaf prospect didn't get enough love for the season they had? Interesting. Okay, let's look up um I guess like the Marlies. See like what the Marlies did. I actually there is one player who I believe deserves a little bit more respect i'm gonna look up the leafs draft history for the last couple of seasons because they took a kid named ryan verberg in i think it was like the seventh round i got it right here yeah to 2020 he was their very last pick yes and he went on to have a terrific season at the university of connecticut um coming out of uh the g the ojhl because he planned on going the university route so didn't end up uh you know, playing in the OHL or anything like that, which is why his name, you know, isn't well known. But the guy went and had a terrific sophomore season at the University of Connecticut, 32 points in 36 games. He ended up getting an invite to Canada's World Junior Selection Camp. Didn't quite make it. He was one of the last guys to get cut. 
But, uh, you know, he's not a player who you hear a lot about because he was a seventh-round prospect, right? Seventh-round pick. But, I mean, he's proving to be better than seventh-round value just, uh, you know, two years after his draft season. So I think that uh, that's a player who I think deserves a little bit of a little bit of credit um, who doesn't get a lot of love. Ryan Tverberg, how about that? A little seventh-round flavor from the 2020 draft. He was somebody I looked at, too. Uh, I, the um, Reed Mitchell, who's a big, who's like a huge um, scout and development player, person with the Leafs, really pushed to get him drafted. Like, he made it personally. He really wanted him in the organization. So, so far. Local, local kid, too, right? Toronto yeah. Junior Canadians, when he got drafted. They traded back into the seventh round to take him, too, I remember. Like they were done for the draft and traded back in and took him late. Yeah, like that's how badly Mitchell wanted him. Like, let's yeah. let's get this guy. To trade back into the seventh round isn't a huge deal, but to see to get a guy like that, and then he seems to we'll we'll see how he he progresses. He's still got a few more years in the uh I think he's in the NCAA with Connecticut. So he's probably yeah. gonna continue there for a little bit and we'll see what happens after that. My guy uh, is also a uh, Leafs draft pick. I'm just going to pull it up. Uh, actually, from this past year, Ty Voigt. Ooh, Ty Voigt. All right, from the Sarnia Sting. Sarnia Sting. Uh, yeah, considering the guy was off for a year, all right, so they did not play. The OHL was shut down during the pandemic. Comes back this this season, puts up 80 points in 67 games, six points in six games in the playoffs. He was actually, I don't know if you if you saw last week, Team USA sent out their evaluation camp rosters for the uh, World, Juniors. World Juniors that are going to be coming up. Mr. Ty Voigt is among the names being added to that list. There you go. Right? So he's a, he's a right, he plays center. So he's a centerman. He's not a big guy. Obviously, he's still 19. So it's going to take him some time to fill into his six foot front or five. He's 5'10. He's 161 pounds. That's what Elite Prospects has him at. But this is a guy that made good progression at, despite missing a year of hockey. I mean, that's an important thing there, too. And I, I like to see if he makes uh, Team USA. So, so that's someone to keep your eye on over there. Yeah, absolutely. That's a it's a really a really quality name to bring up as well. Uh, Dmitry Ovchinnikov is another player who's a fifth round pick back in 2020. Uh, did well enough in the KHL, and then when his season ended, came over to Canada and played a little bit with the Toronto Marlies. Could score two goals through seven games with the Marlies. Um, just 19 years old, but he's a player who I think the Leafs are, are look at and say, hey, I think this guy could be a a you know NHL talent. Right, they they think that he could be an NHL talent. So, uh, Dmitry Chinikov, I guess, will be an, an honorable mention for me. So, those are a couple of a couple of prospects that aren't named Topi Niemela, that aren't Nick Robertson, not uh, Matthew Nyes. You know, the three guys who really dominate a lot of it. Rony Hirvonen, you hear from a lot as well. Like mm-hmm. those are the dudes who dominate most of the prospect talk in Leafs Nation. But yeah, there's a couple of kids who uh, who had some solid seasons that perhaps will be part of the Maple Leafs uh, in the future. All right, Dave, uh, do we have one more we can get to quickly? Like, is there a quick question that you think could be answered uh, rather fast? Or maybe we'll have to save it and do it tomorrow, perhaps? Let's say there's one, but I don't think it's going to be a quick one. You know which one I'm talking about. There's a certain guy with an Oilers picture. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into that tomorrow. Let's just say he got he kind of threw a little little fire under me when I saw the question. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say he's wearing an Oilers jersey. Oh, he has an Oilers logo on. Oilers his logo in his in his name and talking some smack about uh, about. Leafs roster management over the last few years. So you're right. That will take a, a little bit longer to to kind of go through. You're right. So we'll we'll save that one for tomorrow. So make sure you return for tomorrow's podcast so that uh so you can hear our answer. And Dave, who's got a little bit of fire in his belly uh, from it. Watch him get fired up tomorrow. All right, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for submitting those questions. They were awesome. Provided us with some good laughs, especially for Blue 13. Can we get it one more time, Dave, for the audience? For the audience. Nope. No, I'm not doing it. Tomorrow? You can work. Tell you what. You work on it all night, okay? You're going to work on it all night. You're going to practice, and then you'll show up tomorrow, and you're going to rock it. You're going to knock it out of the park, guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. One day tomorrow? to get it. No, you promise me. Tomorrow you'll do it. On I tomorrow. will give it another shot tomorrow. Let's go. You got to return, not only for the final AMA question, but to also hear David Butcher, I mean, kill Super Califragilisticexpialidocious again. All right. That's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs and hockey content. Follow myself on Twitter. At Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. Leave a like, comment uh, down below your thoughts about what we talked about today. Also, if you're listening on iTunes, please leave a review and a rating. That'd be much, much appreciated. We're back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.